Hello, this is Ryan with All Thread Voice with episode three, the podcast about life, business, and strategy. Hopefully, you'll be inspired to do it yourself along the way. As always, I'm joined with Ted Parrish, my friend, dad, business partner, and founder of ACS Homework. We're going through a beginning series where Ted Parrish is talking about the early days of American Chair Store as he took it from the business partnership to his own sole proprietorship. And then basically as he worked on that, he also drove truck as well. And kind of what we were talking about is the beginnings and the fundamentals of the the company. And what we want to go through today is he wants to amplify a little bit more and kind of go through in details. We felt that we kind of skipped over a couple of things. Uh, we want to clarify a couple of the ideas and make a, you know, fill in the rest of the story. Um, any thoughts on that? No, that sounds like a good plan because... How do we go from American Chair Store to ACS Home and Work and then eventually to All Threat? So, you know, how did this pattern or, you know, connect from one to the next? Yeah, I want to kind of go off of um, like a little tangent, if, if you don't mind. Uh, so I was li- listening to an episode of Radio Lab, and they're talking about artifacts that would be survived from the 1950s Cold War. And one of the people they interviewed was the Studebaker Museum in South Bend, Indiana. Um, I've known about the the Studebaker Museum, but it was interesting in the podcast that what they're talking about was one of the lines was the the beginning and the fundamental core of the Studebaker Museum is to preserve the history of the Studebaker company. And it just like... It, it, it th- I was just thinking about this, is that even bad presidents get good museums and not all good companies get museums. Just to think that your museum is, or your company created a culture impact that wanted to have a museum that's there to preserve it, even years after it's dis- you know, disestablishment and went out of business. And to think that that legacy is being carried on by a museum you know, it, it kind of impressed me you know, and kind of, it made me to pause and think about that. And I was just thinking that, you know, there there can't be any more, I guess, flattery than having a museum Active company. I, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Just kind of a tangent I had. No, it makes sense. You know, the museum is telling a story. So whether you're doing it a, a brick and mortar building with artifacts or whether you're record on a podcast or post it on a blog or handwriting it down, uh, you're telling the story that how you did, what you did, why you did. And there's value if you have a culture and there's value if you don't. Let's say you had a small business and it ran six months, you know, there's value to somebody. I noticed that when you buy antiques, like furniture from the late 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of times there's a name on the piece of furniture and it's some obscure company that made furniture for a while and went out of business. And, and you know, if somebody wrote something down or some information on the company, uh, there'd be some value, you know, make furniture or the people that work there I don't know I see your point there's you know people spend an awful lot of time at work or possibly a lot of time with the products you make like a Studebaker car 
you know, maybe your family bought one. I, I can see value. So uh, before we get into it, how how's your week been going for you? I I know it's kind of been. I don't know. We're getting to the middle of the quarantine. It's kind of kind of you know. I don't want to use quarantine, but I guess that's kind of what what we're doing. We're all self isolation. It's interesting, at least with the content creators, it's getting a little, little weird out there. I found myself watching a video last night of one of my favorite YouTubers moving a container with a four x four jack and putting some cribbing under it. I don't know. It seems like in some aspects it's getting back to normal. Um, we've been operating our minimum basics, basic conditions in accordance with what what we believe is right from for our our state of Michigan. Um, but we've been noticing uh, some orders coming in, and we've been print, printing those. Um, and I don't know, it kind of feels like back to normal. As things are kind of starting to slow down a little bit, but you know, it still feels like we're in the in the middle of it. I, I don't know. How did your week go for you? Yeah, I agree. It it does seem like we're coming out of this a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of creating a little bit of a a new normal. Uh, but it's still, you know, there's a lot less traffic on the road. Uh, the restaurants and the retailers still are open. And uh, I'm just reflecting on the week. You, you know, this seems like a long time and not a lot of fun. But the World War II generation had their lives disrupted for four years. So at least we're not doing this for a year or, you know, much longer than we are. Yeah, it can it can always be worse than what it was. So, you know, yeah, it's great. It's grateful that we all have houses and we have jobs and we have a business that, you know, it's it's going, but it's not as great as we want. But we're still healthy and we have have everybody in our life. And so so it's thankful for what we have. But, you know, it's also also a time of struggle and work. But I think we're going to get through it. Um kind of hoping everybody else is kind of feeling that same thing. So we'll get into our topic. Um, the first question I had, uh, or let's, let's recap before we get into the topic. Um, we we're about 2002, um, like I said in the intro, 2002, you had your Case Goods Company with the partnership. In 2001, 9-11 was, you know, the time of economic downturn. And for you, what you're saying was that because of that downturn, the, the partnership kind of dissolved a little bit. And you took American Chair Store out of it and and you were taking it off to your own own kind of own way and your own direction. And you're while you're doing American Share Story, you're also working at a full time, full time on the road, over the road truck driver, moving moving freight and answering phones. Probably not the best time, but you know, getting it done. Um, so we're gonna kind of pick it up there, 2002. Um, early days, uh, you wanted to go in a little bit more and kind of describe the basement operations. You said you had a warehouse in your house. Um, so one of the things that we wanted we wanted to know and we wanted to clarify on was was describe that a little bit more. Did you have employees at that time? Who answered the phones? Who packed and filled the orders? And how did that work? Yeah, when we dissolved that partnership that summer and you know, I had American chair and, and as I mentioned, you know, I realized early on that I could not make appointments like I thought. And so I, I was drop shipping through my Yahoo store and some of the contacts I had, I did not have a whole lot of business that first year. And it, it took a while uh, to start 
seeing value in the soft goods. Uh, I drop shipped some furniture, we drop shipped some towels, but the thing I, I did not like is I could not see the finished product coming out of the the mill or the factory that made the furniture. And so if, if I got a guarantee or back this up, I'm really at a struggle what that, you know, what, what the, the end product's looking like. So I think it was the following summer, it would have been 2003, that I decided to actually start buying the goods and warehousing myself. And uh, as I mentioned, I saw somebody that did something like that when I was younger. I worked for a furniture company. They also manufactured some furniture and I'd deliver uh, to this guy's house basically. And he's running a distributorship or a warehouse out of his garage. And so I knew it could be done. And so that's where I got the idea that, you know, I didn't have any really money to rent space. So I took a section of my basement and I set up a place to store the towels. Uh, we'd bring them in. And what we did is uh, I started going through them and looking at them and making sure that when I shipped 10 bath towels or 10 washcloths or 10 kitchen towels that they are free of um, any blemishes, seconds or anything like that. So uh, yeah, it was a while before I decided to start setting up in the basement myself. So you're talking, you're saying that because you didn't have the financial capital behind you, you couldn't bid on the large the large projects that you were working on before, right? Yeah, I, I, I did not have the, the capital, nor could I uh, invest a lot of time because I was working a full-time job. So doing a full restaurant, a full hotel, that takes a tremendous amount of time going to the pro- property, understanding the project, understanding what the owner's looking for, and time and money were a huge issue. And so I had to rely on the smaller projects, uh, the break rooms and things like that, that people would be willing to do um, you know, on a small scale. All right, so you talk about the Yahoo store being kind of fundamental to uh, American Share Store. So where did you, uh, where did you learn about Yahoo? Was it like an ad? You know, was it a business call? Who referred you to Yahoo stores? Yeah, that was interesting because in the beginning, like when we had partners and we had the shop, we had a website and we've had a website for a while and it was more information and this is what we can do. And I noticed a lot of companies have gone back to that. And the website has its place, and I think we're starting to settle down. We're 20 some years um, past the dot com bus. And companies are finding where they need to be, what they need to do on the web. And uh, a lot of your smaller electricians, a lot of your smaller companies are just using the web for information, examples, and and contact us if you need any information. And that's what we did. And then and after the dot-com bust, or I don't remember exactly around there, but Yahoo was one of the first uh, e-commerce platforms that were pretty easy to use. And that's, I went with them because it's easy to use, also secure, because 
that was the other problem with the dot-com bus is people were really nervous about putting their credit cards online and there wasn't the comfort level and the security. So I wanted to be with a big company. That's why I went with Yahoo and I used PayPal as my credit card processor because I noticed that like they were never in the news at that time. There's other companies that had security breaches and they were in the news fairly regular. But you didn't see Yahoo or PayPal in the news. So I went with them and I transitioned from a basic website to where I had a, a, you know, an e-commerce site, and that was in in the beginning, and and at the same time, a lot of your retailers, uh, your bigger, older legacy retailers, were going out of business. Your Ben Franklins, your Kmart's, there were some other box stores that were closing, and. Yeah, they were discounters, but they also sold quality soft goods. They they would have a line of nice bath towels that were made in the USA, or nice flower sack towels or kitchen towels. And when these stores closed, people were dependent on it, and they would go on the web and search, and that's where they would find us. And so it's just kind of a mixture of a few different things. Because this is the early days of before Amazon, because Amazon was still selling books. Yeah, yeah, totally. And this is also, back then, even Google did not understand the landscape at the time. Uh, 2000, your your Pepsi, your Coca-Cola, your Ford, your GMs, they tied up the PPC market. So that's pay-per-click and the advertising. So when you were on Google in the early days, you primarily saw the big companies advertising on there. And I don't know who made the decisions, Eric Schmidt or where I never did read on that. But they figured out somehow that, hey, if we open up this uh, advertising pay-per-click, and so when you type in that you need wallpaper for your house, in the early days of Google, you would get what they call Gamernic Search. You'd see all the stores that sell wallpaper in your area. Then on the right, you would see ads for Coca-Cola, Taco Bell, and maybe Ford. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with wallpaper, but it was advertising. What Google made a change about this time is when you typed in wallpaper, on the right would be maybe wallpaper sellers or a local store, that something pertinent to the item that you were looking for. And that really helped us out because not only made it more affordable, but also got our message out nationally. So you've been talking about Yahoo stores, RTML, PPC, organic search. This is a tremendous amount of uh, knowledge that you need to have to operate an online store. And not only is it a tremendous amount of knowledge, it's also, uh, I guess, a tremendous amount of faith. I guess, where do you build the the knowledge and the trust and the faith to go, okay, well, I'm going to take my online business, and, or well, not even an online business, I'm going to take my business and put it online. Um, where do you start with something like that? Well, we had a website, so I guess that was step one. And then the other thing is I've always been an avid reader, uh, going way back one, and that's kind of the reason I went into business. I was 
reading uh, different sales books over the years, Lee Iacocca's Chrysler book, and different books over the years, uh, QuickBooks for Dummies, and that's how I taught myself uh, QuickBooks, so I learned how to do that. It's just reading, um, picking up different things, uh, reading on the internet, and uh, this is before YouTube, so it was just a lot of self-research and reading, and what PayPal would put out and their FAQs or uh, Yahoo, their store, their FAQs, just a lot of avid reading. And and that's one thing, advantage when you're on the road, you can do. But back then, we really didn't have internet. So it wasn't as mobile as it is now. But I found ways to read and, and find information. Yeah, there's kind of parallels to, to that and now because now it seems like with everybody doing the social social isolation or social distancing and you know taking that that having that extra time it seems like that's also the same thing you know you look at netflix it it took them several years before they even launched netflix of just producing the product so what you're talking about is that that taking that time to reflect and learn and build up through books you know videos whatever you can get your hands on basically is that correct yeah i can't emphasize that enough for anybody that wants to go into business or start out their business uh, one of the fundamentals and i think we've talked about it here you got to ask yourself why why you want to do this uh where do you want to go you got to ask some basic questions and if owning a business is for you and that's something you want to give a try or or um you know however you come to that i can't stress that enough is reading you can do a lot with youtube videos now i'm watching a lot of youtube videos that really helps but uh i could not stress enough to read there's so much out there um you know especially with google and the internet you you can find out what you need for quickbooks you can find out uh, business plans there's there's a ton of information, and this is a, a great time to be doing that. This, yeah, I can't think of anything better. So let's go back to that that uh, basement operation. So so basement, garage, uh, where was it? Basement and garage. You know, how do you answer the phones? How do you answer emails? You know, where like where do you even come up with the money to buy all that product? Yeah. When I was drop shipping and I noticed the the business was accelerating a little bit, we were getting orders and I had to make a decision if I was going to keep drop shipping. And I talked to the mills, I talked to the furniture company I was working with, and they were fine with drop shipping. And and drop shipping is still viable today. Our company drop ships for customers and we encourage that. It it it's not a bad business model. It's 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 a great way to go. Uh, it just at the time it did not fit for me. Uh, just there's things I needed to do. One, you know, I wanted to look at the product. And so I had to make a decision that, okay, if we're going to bring in the product, how we're going to do this, where we're going to put it. This is a huge decision. And so I decided that we'd bring in the product and I set up a space in my basement. our basement is finished so half of it is a family room and there's a bedroom and literally down the middle the other half is unfinished and I just took the unfinished part and I set up a table and I bought some plastic uh, shelves 
And um, that was just kind of the, the beginning. But I was still driving trucks, so I used family members to help pack the orders. I, I taught them how to uh, ship and pack. But it was never like, sometimes, I don't know if they still have them anymore, but sometimes on the advertising for uh, different web companies, they show orders just rolling in. It was never like that. Orders never just rolled in. You know, we would get half dozen, maybe a dozen orders a week. But working full time, raising a family, a dozen orders, that's a lot of orders. So did anyone ever say, you know what, Ted, you're crazy? Like, you know, you have this successful career, you know, this is back in the early days, about 20 years ago, truck driving still is a viable business. Well, not even a viable business, a viable profession. And even more so back in the day, I think, you know, truck drivers, you know, be able to provide your family and you're going to be able to put food on the table. So did anyone say to you like, hey, Ted, you're, you're crazy for messing around with these towels. You got a good career. You got it. You know, you're working for a good trucking company. And why are you messing around with towels? Yeah, nobody really said that. I, I did have some co-workers scratch their head and kind of wonder, like you said, well, you have a decent career. Why are you uh, messing with that? And I had one guy trying to do the mental math and he was adding up inventory in his head and he was implying like that's an investment. I'm not sure I'd really want to make that. And, you know, I had that. And I remember my mom asking me at one point, uh, how long you been doing this and working the two jobs? And at that time, it was eight years. And and I think she kind of felt like, well, that's that's a spell. You, you've been at it for a while. And uh, yeah, it's I don't think anybody discouraged me at it. But uh, yeah, it was maybe as a head scratcher, kind of why you're, you're working two jobs. But I just was not at peace with working at truck driving and doing what I was doing and this just felt like a calling the direction I needed to go and I worked really hard at not going overboard where I was robbing my family to chase a dream and and really in a way was never a dream per se it was just something in my heart I felt like I needed to do and so I worked really hard at keeping it in balance and so if I had to pack orders when I was home or, or do anything with the business, I usually did it in the morning before uh, anybody got up. And I know a lot of the businesses we work with, some of the starting businesses, they do the same thing. They get up early and they work on their business. Then when everybody starts getting up and their day started, they set that down, they do what they have to do, and then start the next morning. What do you get in truck shipments of product into the house or was like a big you know truck showing up um how did you get product into the 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 house and how do you get product out of the house yeah that was kind of a problem and that's why the basement operation didn't last that long it lasted oh probably about a year maybe two years because uh 2003 when i started that and it was probably 2004 Four, maybe 2005 I can't remember if it lasted a year or two I guess in a couple of years and yeah it, I did not fortunately have semis show up to my house I had some pretty large box trucks show up and they tore up the grass a little bit not too bad 
And the other problem, I'd get a case in a week, couple cases, and bring them in through the garage. Then where our basement, the stairs are in the middle of the house. So you had to bring them through the kitchen, down the stairs to where my little mini warehouse was. And over time, it was kind of roughing up the molding going in and out of the house and the stairs. And it, it was, the house is not meant to be a factory. So it, it started wearing on things a little bit. And I knew I was running out of time and this was getting to be a bit much. Yeah, you must have been like the cousin Eddie to your neighbors, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, some pretty good sized box trucks would show up and yeah, that's what I was worried about. So I I didn't push it too far. I I bet they didn't appreciate uh, having, we live in in a suburb, in a residential neighborhood and and that's not part of the deal having big box trucks going up and down your street. So uh, where are you getting the cash? Because as far as I know, there's no rich uncles, uh, no one le- leaving you in, in their will, you know, no banks showing up saying, hey, Ted, you have a great idea. Let me give you a million dollars. Where where are you, where are you getting the money for this? <laughs> I basically came out of my own pocket from truck driving. I, you know, supported my family. And then with the extra money, I just put towards the business. And then any money we made in the business, I put right back in. So I didn't take any money out of the business. So any profit that was there, we put right back. And if I was short on cash, I needed to buy product, I would just borrow from myself and then pay myself back. It was it was kind of hand to mouth for a long time. Well, that is just you're taking um, the, you're, you're assuming all the risk. You know, you you're saying that, you know, I believe in this so much. I'm going to put my own money into that. Have you have you ever questioned your judgment? Yeah, it. it yeah. And I yeah, it's it's that's a tough call. And yeah, it's I don't have a good answer for that. It. Uh, fortunately, we've been taken care of and, you know, everything's been paid for. Uh, we haven't had any customers in 20 years been in business that haven't paid us. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it came together, but it wasn't easy. Well, that's almost like the entrepre- what I call the entrepreneur's edge. You know, you know we, whether you are working your coffee shop or you're selling towels, that's the edge or the responsibility, I guess, that every business owner or entrepreneur has is that, you know, you're taking this risk and you're assuming the responsibility and you believe in it so much that, you know, you know, it's going to work, whether, you know, you know, come hell or high water, you're going to make this this work and you're the one that has to believe in it more. You have to believe in it more than even your employees, right? Yeah, totally. And that's where we all benefit in the beauty of the capitalist system and, and, you know, I get a little irritated when people think that business owners are rich. Well, most business owners I know are not rich. And, you know, maybe they go on a nice vacation once in a while, and that's a big maybe. Um, the hours they put in, generally they make far less than their employees. Uh, and the employees are working 40, 50 hours a week. Most business owners are working 60, 80 hours at best and you know when i was small and beginning yeah maybe i wasn't putting in 60 80 hours at that 
job at, at ACS, but uh, I was putting in a significant amount of hours. But your your average business owner that we buy our pizzas from, our car to get worked on, things like that, we all enjoy. Uh, we benefit hugely from these people, like you said, that are willing to take the risk and put the extra in that we don't have to, so we can have donuts and and our lawns mowed or electric service or hot water heater put in. It's more of a uh, project of passion than finances for most people, right? Yeah, exactly. It's more of a, a project of passion, exactly. I, I, I know very few business owners that you know it's all about the money and getting as much as you can out of it. That's, it, it's the drive to serve. So I think we've covered the basement operation pretty well. Um, so when is the first time that you actually had a commercial location? If you could step us up a couple of years and, and kind of give us a brief overview of kind of the commercial locations and the different places that, you know, the business has found it, itself in. Well, we didn't go to commercial location for uh, a while. We we're a couple years in our basement, and then we we're a year or two in somebody's garage. Uh, we rented a garage space. Uh, I knew somebody that had a fairly large house, and they had extra space in their garage. And that is where we went next. So it was a while before we actually uh, went to renting a, you know, a a commercial environment, but just leaving our basement, going into somebody's garage was a major step for us. So tell me more about the garage. The garage. What, did you have employees? Because you were telling us that you know, you know. I remember myself. This is kind of where I start. Set, I step out of the third person voice, and then you know, yeah, I remember my, being it myself of being the the employee one or two, two, and being able to pack the orders. Um, but when did we have the first uh, real official employee? Well, going back just a minute before we go into the garage space, back when we had our basement, we had an idea that, hey, you know, we could be different with our orders and let's pack and ship and use boxes. So I went to the grocery store and I used to get boxes and I'd have them stacked up and we shipped our orders in, in grocery store boxes. And that might've worked for a couple orders, but the problem with the grocery store boxes, one, they got labels all over them and FedEx and UPS, they kind of frown on that because their scanners and their information, it messes them up. Two, the boxes were already used, so they didn't make it all the way to wherever they were going. A lot of times they disintegrated by because they're just already used. And that was kind of funny. I remember those early days, things we tried and didn't work. But yeah, you helped me out, Aaron, and and Carol is too small, and my wife Faith in in but you guys had school on lives too so you, you you can't be operating the business and you know like i said we only had six to a dozen orders but it, you know then eventually got to 12 to 18 to 20 orders and that's when we had a friend um started helping because what not only did we inspect the towels but uh, we also um, folded them and, you know, put a nice package together. So there's a little bit of time involved in getting these out. So we hired a family friend and that was the first employee. And then she actually worked at the, the garage that we rented. 
So I, the one thing that ACS, we did a survey of all our customers recently. And the one thing that kind of came out of that survey um, is the Mint. Can you tell us more about that Mint? <laughs> the Mint. The Mint was added oh, about five years ago because uh, it was just a way of separating us and saying thank you. Um, that was one of the things I noticed early on. And I, I think that is what kind of built our business. When I started looking at the towels, started looking at even the furniture, I did not warehouse a lot of furniture. We just didn't have the room. I think a couple times I did. But the the towels I looked at or we looked at, and that was what kind of got the business going because uh, a pizza shop or a bagel shop, they would get 10, 12 towels and they were all good. Normally in our commercial environment, if you order online and you get a dozen aprons, 20 of this, whatever, 100, there's a certain amount of seconds and the company will take them back. Most companies are honorable, but that's time and money on your part to deal with it. So ACS inspects everything and then you save money by not having to deal with printing on seconds. And so the Mint kind of came out of that. It just, another way to differentiate us, another way to say thank you. And it's just added value because we're always looking for a way to please the customer and serve the customer. So the Mint was not in the early days? No, it wasn't. That's That was on uh, Edgeway, which we're... At present, we are in our fifth building, I believe, because we went to the garage to what we call the post office, even though it wasn't a post office, and then to Edgeway Town. So we're like four or five buildings. So the so I want to back up just a little bit. Cause I really want to get to the kind of get to the garage, but let's talk a little bit more about those reused uh, boxes. Where did that idea come from? Uh, one, being frugal and not really having money. Second, not knowing packaging. I knew how to ship because of truck driving and the different jobs I've had the years. But I really did not know how to put things in a box and ship. And so that was kind of where the boxes came from. And I, yeah, didn't have the money. And, and yeah, that got to be an issue. And actually, my brother did some research and and he found me a package supplier and that's where we elevated out of the used boxes. Yes, uh, because, you know, I, you know, just like you, I also have the entrepreneur band. I've been on my third or fourth business business. And we go down to the county courthouse to form your LLC. They don't go, oh, OK, well, you're going to form your LLC. So here you go. Here's your business owner's handbook. And this is everything you need to know. File this. Right. Exactly. Pretty much, if you're first generation with your business and nobody handed this off to you, it's not your dad's business or your grandfather's business. Somebody's got to be first generation and somebody's got to make the mistakes and figure this all out. So that's that's me, first generation. So I got to do all the goofy things. Like when we were in our basement, we shipped a thousand towels 
to somebody that was going to screen it, print on them for the Olympics. And for whatever reason, they weren't the right towels or they lost the job and they wanted to ship them back. So, okay, that's fine. We'll honor them. As long as they're in good shape, we'll take them back. And I gave them our FedEx number so they would ship them back. And what they wound up doing was overnighting them. So I got like, I don't even remember, $500 bill. And it was a lot of money to me. And so I learned real quick, be careful giving out your FedEx number. Over the years, I've had to make a lot of the mistakes myself. And that's kind of how you learn but is by the school of hard knocks. Um, so tell us more about that. So so we had the garage location, the post office location, Edgeway, and now we're located at 4876 Allen Park. I can remember that number, hopefully. Um, so tell us more about the garage. Did you have one employee, two employees? Um, you know, you know, did the, was the garage have an office? Did, was it just a warehouse? Was it heated? Uh, kind of give us more de- details about about the garage operation. Yeah, the garage, the friend that we knew had a newer home and he had what you'd call a walkout. So you have the top level and then the bottom level, you could walk out the back. So there was a bedroom down there, bathroom. It's a pretty good sized house. So there's a bedroom, I think there's a family room. And then on one end of this huge basement was the garage. So it was the garage under the garage. And so it was, I don't know, 24 by 24 foot square empty space. It was a pretty good sized box that was empty and it was heated and had a roll up door and we were able to back up FedEx trucks, no problem. Uh, if we needed to get a semi in, this house was kind of out in the country and the road he was on there was not much traffic so a truck could go down to stay on the road could not back up to the garage but stay on the road and leash what you'd call tailgate uh, bring the product to the back of the semi-trailer and you'd load it down on hand carts and, and wheel it in. And so we set up that garage like uh, actually a mini warehouse more so than our basement because the basement was still our house and and yeah, that side was empty, but it's still a basement. It just, you know, you, you do what you can setting up shelves and a desk. This was an empty square spot. So we actually set up the plastic shelves and stacked product on the floor, much like you would a, a warehouse, but it's just tiny. And we had a shipping desk and no office or anything. Uh, basically, I was operating the business with my cell phone and a laptop at the time. Okay, uh, let's pick it up uh, next week with the next episode. Uh, I think it's a good stopping point. Um, so we, we're kind of just kind of like taking baby steps. We're going through this one piece at a time. We discussed discuss the Case Goods Company and then going from the Case Goods Company to American Chair Store. We covered the basement. We're at your second location. And so I think what we'll do is pick it up next week and we can talk about the, maybe the second and third location. And, you know, we can kind of describe a little bit more and how you grow and how, and all the different responsibilities that come with that growth. And then maybe we can get to where, you, you know, you decide that, hey, you know what, I'm not going to work, you know, two jobs and I'm actually going to do this full time. Um, do you have any other thoughts? for? No, that seems like a good plan. And I'm not only, like you said in the beginning, uh, laying down this information, you know, kind of maybe 
our employees. Maybe we just want the value, but also hopefully helping uh, somebody else that wants to start on their own and, and we can give them some ideas. Also, what the future will look like that, hey, if I start picking up business, uh, I'm going to get boxes of stuff at my home. Do I want that? Maybe I'd rather work with a company I can drop ship. So, you know, I'm hoping that not this time spent is not just for us and preserving the information, but also so we can share and help other people. Yeah, because it takes, you know, like what we talked about earlier was, you know, it takes a lot of responsibility and it's kind of like that that entrepreneur's edge that you have to you have to start. And then when you start, when you start with a, a blank pro- canvas or start a blank project, you're not going to get any growth in the first, you know, day or day two, you know, not even in year two, you might not get growth. Um some companies are just they're, they're blessed with exponential growth and what I mean like by exponential growth I mean like explosive exponential growth where you're talking about you know a million to two million in the first year or two a lot of, you know entrepreneurs it's very slow growth you know it's it's trying to get to that year five and then making it to the year 10 and and it's that slow uphill hike that's hard for everybody. Yeah, I don't. I, I think you're more blessed if if you have the slow growth and it, it takes a really long time. I, I think that's hugely more valuable than if you land on that one big contract and you're off to the races. I, I've I've known a bunch of people. I've I've seen different companies like that and. Uh, if if your company is not like that, I, I'd be way more grateful. It. it from my experience, the slow, uh, just steady eddy is definitely the better way to go. It allows you to build up that that experience and that skill set. Oh, exactly, because it's not that easy. And, and the bigger you get, the more responsibility you have, more people dependent on you. And you have to learn to be comfortable at that, because like you said, there is that edge that um business owners have and and you have to be able to be comfortable in your skin and that's not gonna happen overnight okay we'll pick it up in the next show uh thank you for listening stay safe stay healthy and enjoy the rest of your week